Welcome to the next track. A podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. We self-produce the Next Track podcast and want to keep it ad-free, so we rely on contributions from listeners for support. You can help us by making a regular donation via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash the next track. And thanks. So your favorite band has got themselves a new gig, I understand. Yeah, I saw that. That was I guess it was a surprise because they had announced their final concerts, what, last summer? So it's The Sphere, where we talked about in a previous episode, I'll put a link in the show notes, where you two did an inaugural residency for a couple weeks. Yep. They're back for another one. Are they back again? Okay. Yeah, they've got another one. That's why I think the Dead & Company, they're originally set for 18, but I'm sure. Well, they've already added additional shows. We were chatting over the weekend when that was announced, and I said, they're the ideal band for something like that with the visuals, because they've always been into trippy visuals. And you said, well, what about you too? But No, the Rolling Stones. You said the Stones. But remember you too? I think it was the Zuropa tour, where they had all the screens and everything. They're really into the whole visual video thing. The Stones, on the other hand, all they do is they have close-ups of Mick and Keith and Ronnie <laughs> yeah. and... The more I thought, actually, the more I thought about having the Rolling Stones do a residency like that is, I don't think it would be very popular. Um, I think bands like Dead and Company and U2 have more of a, uh, I don't know, that kind of audience. But I just can't imagine. I think the Stones would be hugely popular. They could perform there for three months. But as you say, what are they going to use for background? But now here I'm getting on the other thing is that. I know London turned down a London sphere because essentially they said light pollution. And everybody said, oh, yeah, well, light pollution. But they could probably adjust for it. They could probably just, you know, keep keep the light inside and don't have the light outside. And they would still have all the advantages of having a, a sphere for, you know, for bands. Yeah, but one of, the, one of the points is that the thing is covered with lights and that it displays, in a sense, of advertising, which fits in Las Vegas, right, which is so full of carbon-emitting lights that it doesn't really change them. I believe they're LED lights, so it's not it's that bad. It's open 24 still, hours. It's not, a, uh, it's not like... Exactly. And, and you couldn't do that in London in what's essentially a sort of residential neighborhood. I don't know exactly where it was, but it's like residential business, so... It's not like this is the neighborhood with the casinos and the hotels. I'm very surprised that they haven't attempted to do a European sphere somewhere, if not maybe Paris, somewhere in France, somewhere in Spain, Ireland. I mean, where are where do jet setters go? And that's where you would have it. Abu Dhabi, Bahrain. I think that would be those. Yeah, would be but the these aren't jet setters that go there to, to Las Vegas. These are punters, as the British would say. These are average people who go there to gamble away a couple hundred dollars, to get a cheap hotel, to spend a week in this sort of, I don't know, phantasmagoric city that they've only heard about and seen in the movies, right? It's It's like going to another planet, in a way, to go to Las Vegas. But if they have the advantage of being able to see, I don't know, Adele or ZZ Top or whoever's at the Sphere, that's an additional plus instead of putting money in the slot machines all evening. Well, I think um, it's true. Uh, Las Vegas has also turned into a sports town recently. and Isn't that yeah, where the Super Bowl is next yes, week Bowl, or the week before this episode comes out? The Super Bowl will have been, will should have, yes. will, will soon have been 
uh, yes. played in Las Vegas. Las Vegas just got themselves a football team. The Raiders have moved to Las Vegas. Gambling is is in Las Vegas. Sports yep. betting is huge. So, yeah. I mean, Las Vegas is definitely the place to go for sports, gambling, all of that, all of that gaming. So it's it's yeah. really great. It's perfectly understandable. I don't know if they could open another sphere in the country here somewhere, but I, I definitely think that somewhere in Europe they've got to do it because well, it's, it would uh, have to be in a place that's accessible to multiple countries. That's why Disneyland opened their Euro Disney outside of Paris. It's about half an hour from Paris on a train, which means you can get to it easily from Paris, from London, using the Eurostar that goes under the channel, from Belgium and the Netherlands, the train line comes down directly to there. So it is more or less centrally accessible. It's the best location. And you can fly into an airport, Charles de Gaulle, which isn't that far away either. It's like two stops on a local train to get there. Do Does uh, Disney Europe play uh, have bands play or anything like that? They, do they do anything like that? I don't think Disney does that. No, I didn't think so That would either. be kind of hard for the family-oriented element of that. Like, if you get a band, I mean, you're not going to get a band like, well, it's not the Grateful Dead. It's Dead and Company. Then they're all stoners. That doesn't fit with the Disney image. Would you get Miley Cyrus? She used to be a Disney person, didn't she? But she's not now. I believe that on the Grammys last night, she said something about, I've first Grammy I never wore, and I'm not wearing any underwear. It's like... Yeah, it's not really a Disney themed type of performance. No, um, but as I said, yeah. I, I still think with the Dead and Company thing coming to the sphere, it it made me think it's not just a one trick pony with you two. They can have some other people in there. Well, they may already have planned a number of bands, but for whom it takes, uh, I believe you two spent a year working on the visuals. That's what they said. Yeah. So if each band doing this has got to have. I mean, the dead, are they going to play three hours, which is what they usually do? That's a lot of visuals to put and up. can they improvise? Of course. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly, it's going to be one of those, what, what, like one of those gel projectors that they used <laughs> to have in the 60s, you know, where you see the, 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 the bubbles and the Or a the, laser light show. Kind of changing yeah. shape. Yeah, right. I mean, that's all the dead need to do, really. They don't have to go to any great extent because, you know, people want to hear the tunes, I think. Do they have legal marijuana in Nevada? I don't know. I don't. Okay. But you know, I, mean, I would assume they're going to yeah. allow that sort of thing. I don't know if I would drop any tabs of mescaline uh, while I was in the I, sphere. That would be a bit disconcerting given, given the scope of the sphere, you know, how big it is and you're seeing it all around you. It's kind of like being in an Apple Vision Pro. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it's like a huge <laughs> Apple Vision Pro. Yeah. Except for real, you don't have to glue a computer to your face. Yeah. That's a and it, yeah. it can can I mention something about the the Vision Pro? It's like I, I am I too old for the Vision Pro? Am I just not interested? Why it, I don't see it getting me any closer to what I need to do? I think it's a product in search of a solution. It's a product in search of a killer app, and they think the killer app is everything. It's like putting your desktop in space. Now I want to tell you, I don't work well. If I'm looking at a window on my computer and I'm seeing through to the wall behind, that's really distracting. And that's the whole paradigm. I know you can put backgrounds up, but the paradigm that they're showing is that you're seeing everything behind you. And let's say you're editing photos or something. You want a black background. You don't want that distraction to alter your brain's perception of colors, right? Colors look different when they're next to other colors. So let's say you've got, I don't know, green walls 
in the room you're in and you're looking at the reds in a picture, they're going to look different than they would against a black background. Computing devices work when it's something we need. The iPhone worked and the smartphone worked because we started to have access to the internet. We needed some way to get access more and more in our pocket and it worked. The Apple Watch worked I want to say because people didn't know that they needed it, but the people who use it find it useful. And I've mentioned, maybe not on this podcast, I use it for notifications, to set timers when I'm cooking, to tell Siri to add things to my shopping list. I don't use it for a lot. Other people who are athletic use it to track workouts. So there are different use cases for the watch, but there are a lot of people who find use cases. I just don't see sitting or standing with a iPad glued to my face, and moving my hands in space, and, and this is a real ergonomic issue, right? You see the people, their shoulders are holding up their arms. When I'm typing, my wrists are resting on the desk. I'm touch typing. There's no stress in the shoulders. I mean, there's stress, but not that kind of holding them up. It doesn't seem like a long-term way to work. Now, since the battery life is only two or two and a half hours, um, you can't do much anyway. On the other hand, someone I know on social media got one, and he was he's a developer, and he said, you know, I'm going to buy one because I think it's the future. And he was talking about how nice it was to lie back on a couch and watch a movie. And something that I've been saying since the very first presentation of it is everyone, they show everyone sitting up and standing up. I want to see the people lying back and relaxing and watching a movie. That, to me, is the ideal way to do it. Yeah. I still think it's just a different mode. It's not a better mode. It's just a different mode of, of input. And it's not for me. For the reasons that you point out, it's I think background is is distracting and and that sort of thing. But the ergonomics, that's funny that you mentioned that because I've been noticing that when you see these people with their hands out and doing things, it's like I don't want to do that. I want to. Yeah. I, and then I wondered what it was, and that's kind of you put it exactly right. My hand is resting on the desk, moving a mouse. Yep. Not a problem. Yeah. But you know, if I've got to stand there like a conductor, and I've been a conductor. It hurts. It's it's <laughs> yeah. not fun. And uh, yep. so, I don't know. But I, I also agree that it probably is the future because, well, they're building them. No, I don't, I don't agree that it's necessarily the future because people don't want to wear a heavy device on their heads for a long time. It's not comfortable. Well, I, you know, it's only going to it's only going to get smaller. It's only going to get lighter. I saw a great movie yesterday, uh, Christina Warren. Maybe you saw that she posted it. And she said, this is the best movie demo I've seen of them so far. And this gentleman had on a pair, and he was walking around the house, and different, all the different things in his house had these little floating windows on them. And I thought, well, that's, that's kind of interesting. I can see working in, an envi- in a work environment this way. Yeah. Um, and doing collaborative things and like that, walking from one room to another and joining the, the creative process whatever that may be. I kind of see that happening, but it's not going to be this summer. It's going to be a couple of years down the road when we start to figure out how these can be used and do you have to bring your own pair? Is the company going to buy them? Is the price going to come down? Are they going to get lighter? Are they going to become, you know, are they going to become the future? And I I think if that's where they're going to aim, then that's probably where we'll end up. Not for me, though. Definitely not for me. I want to quote the last sentence of a review of the Vision Pro on The Verge by Nile Patel. Basically, it's a 20-minute video, and this is the transcript of the, the video. And in the last sentence, he says, I don't want to get work done in the Vision Pro. I get my work done with other people, and I'd rather be out here with them. Well, that's a good point. The, um, 
That's a really good point. The fact that you are isolated. Isolation. The isolation seems to me to be Black Mirror stuff. Anyway, we didn't want to talk about the Vision Pro. I shouldn't have mentioned it. It's because the sphere made me think of the Vision Pro with that sort of wraparound display, which is kind of, I'm just looking out around my desk and I have a wraparound display. I see my iMac in front of me. I see my walls with some pictures over there. On the right side, I can see some things. I'm moving my arms. It's a wraparound display in real life. I don't need the Vision Pro. (laughs) Life is my wraparound display. Yes, there you go. So, Grammys? I didn't watch them, and I didn't pay attention to them. And um, I guess all the people that were supposed to win won. (laughs) That's what it sounds like. I mean, it's the same thing all the time. You know what it was like years ago? The bands that you liked never were nominated, never won. It's just, it's it's an industry thing. It's something for people to talk about. It's, if you're the most popular, you're going to win. It's something to let Taylor Swift announce the next album she's releasing. Right, exactly. I mean, it's just a uh, promotional um, show. It's a fun show. I mean, right? Don't people perform and and isn't there that going on? I mean, so I give it points for that, for actually having live performance on television, which you just don't see anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's a good thing, but I, none of the, I'm not interested in seeing any of those artists play. I looked at the results and I was surprised to see how many weird categories. What's progressive rap? I never heard about that. Is that is that like rap with a Mellotron or something? There are so many categories that make little sense, and yet there aren't as many in classical as I would have expected. But what was interesting, the BBC News, and I watched it once just a little while ago, and they were showing some of the clips from it, and Billie Eilish wins for best song in the Barbie movie. Oh, my God, I'm so surprised. I didn't expect this. Taylor Swift wins best album. Oh, my God, I'm so surprised. I didn't expect this. I mean, it was telegraphed. You know who's going to win. You know. You know. You, you know Taylor Swift is going to win a lot because she's the juggernaut. She's keeping the industry afloat. You know Billie Eilish is going to win because Barbie's such a huge movie. Um, she's probably going to win the Oscar for best song in a movie as well, because that's just the way it works. So I guess it's not that surprising anymore. But speaking of Taylor Swift, which team is she playing on in the Super Bowl that will have already completed by the time this comes out? (laughs) She is rooting for Travis Kelsey, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, she's not playing. No, she's not playing. She's not even cheerleading. I I thought that she was a quarterback or something. No, you might think so. Um, You know... I love the fact that she's up there in the booth cheering her her, her football boyfriend on. It's just it's really cool. Um, I mean, I don't. It's I an don't American like, success story. Yeah, it's like the homecoming queen and the quarterback. Although I know he's not a quarterback, right? And the same people who resent those people from high school are the same people that resent. <laughs> um, you know, it all. Somebody said it all comes back to high school. Um, the same people who resent their popularity are resentful of uh, of Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Those two people, I would love to have them come over. They're just the nicest <laughs> people. Travis Kelsey is a very smart and funny fellow. He's not, you know, some boneheaded football player. He's a pretty clever guy. Um, and Taylor Swift, obviously, she knows how to play the guitar, so she's welcome anytime. But yeah. you know, they they as a, as a couple, I think they're kind of interesting. Of course, it's manufactured, and that to some degree, it's manufactured. Uh, but I, I I think it's a good thing, and it's 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 fun. It's it it yeah. makes the football. It's fun. good, clean fun. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly right. Well, w- we don't talk about politics on this podcast. We don't talk about football I, on this podcast. 
No, that's true. <laughs> I, I find it interesting that certain people think that Taylor Swift is a psyop created by the CIA, that the the winner of the Super Bowl has been planned in order for Taylor Swift to endorse Joe Biden. And what I realize is that Taylor Swift becomes 35 in December, which means that she could be Biden's running mate. Oh, wow. oh. I don't know if you have to be 35 before Election Day or before inauguration. And then Biden would retire and then Taylor Swift would be president. So this is your conspiracy theory. Well, I'm, I'm just building on the conspiracy theory of the people who think it's all, you know, it's all been planned since Taylor Swift was 13. It's like the deep state that's been guiding her career. And it's all fake. No one goes to her concerts. It's all faked, right? Wow. There's a lot going on that I'm just not paying. I got to get get ahead up to this. <laughs> I, I was thinking about Taylor Swift recently. It's very rare to see an artist at this kind of peak popularity. It's very rare. This, this yeah. reminds us of the Beatles back in the day, right? Sure. Where does she go from here? Well, she can't I don't break know. up because she's not a band. She's just one person. Well, she's dated other famous people in the past. No, no, I'm not talking about dating. I'm talking about breaking up the band, like the Beatles split up. Oh, that sort oh of thing. like doing something else? Well, I think that she could probably go Where does go she on go a, from here? I think she could go on hiatus and then come back. You know, it's a, it's the a sort of thing like where, you know, Frank Sinatra, how many times did he retire? Um, you know, yeah, it's that but sort there of thing. were reasons. There were health reasons and legal sure. reasons and all sorts of things. Because I'm wondering, at 34 now, um, She's got a long life ahead of her. I, I don't know and, what the I don't know what the trajectory is. And how do is. you manage that career? Do you get to a point like the Rolling Stones when you stop producing new stuff? Since I know she writes or co-writes most of her songs, but she could have other people write new material for her. If it, you know, when you get to a certain point, you just don't have a lot of room for new material in your head. It's just it doesn't come out anymore. I'm just wondering what what the long term idea is. Does she give up music and go into acting? I know she's or football. I think she's floated that Refereeing. idea. She could or referee football. football. Well, they have women referees now. So. There's wi- there's women's football. Yes, yes somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just wondering that at the peak of a career like this, where do you go? Well, I guess you know when you're at the top. So, I mean, I don't know what the trajectory is. There's never been anything like this. It's like how long can she maintain this? I, I really wonder. H- have we had anyone? Have we had anyone? As big as her, other than the Beatles that you can think of? Not really. Not as world-dominating as she is. Is I presume she's world-dominating. I presume she has, you know, big hits around the world. We've had Bruce Springsteen, who was extremely popular, playing stadiums, right? So... But a lot of bands play stadiums. Well, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, tra- the trajectory is. It's certainly possible that in 20 years we'll be saying, remember Taylor Swift? But I doubt and, it. And she'll be hanging out on the beach on her private island, wherever it is, um, because she is because uh, what, she is a billionaire. So she could retire today, say, okay, that's it. Goodbye. She could do like the Bilbo Baggins in, in you know, Lord of the Rings. That's it. Goodbye. Go to her own private island and stay there. Marlon Brando, do the Marlon Brando thing. Um, yeah. You know, wasn't it you I was talking to about Duran Duran? When Duran Duran came out in the early 80s, there were all of these girls who were into Duran Duran. I mean, it was a joke. Uh, you know, it was the running gag about all these girls that are into Duran Duran. And I used to think, I wonder what's going to happen to those ladies when they're in their <laughs> 40s. Well, they're still supporting Duran Duran. Duran Duran is still out and 
they yep. make records. They still tour. They're not as big as they used to be. They're never going to have another Rio or yeah. Girls on Film or anything like that. But, I mean, the fans that they had are still, I presume, uh, helping them live their lifestyles, whatever that is. I'm certainly, they're, they're certainly not making videos and is not as popular as they used to be. But they maintain a, a, a decent living, and everybody knows who Duran Duran is. I, I don't know if t- any Taylor Swift songs have been used in films, probably, although that's a choice of the artist to allow or not allow. There's certainly that kind of thing. What was I watching the other day? We, we talk every once in a while about these old songs that are used in movies and TV shows. There was one the other day. If I could remember it, you would say, of course, I know that's a Patty, Patty Klein? Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein song from what, the 50s was in some thing that I was watching the other day. You can't really live off that. Can you live off the royalties from streaming? I guess Taylor Swift can live off the royalties from streaming. Not many other people can. Anyway, just a speculation of like, what's going to happen to an artist that big? What's their next step? Movies is probably the next big thing because, you know, Lady Gaga's done a couple of movies and she's doing another one. Madonna's done movies, lots of them. So it would seem like the logical next step for an entertainer because, you know, she, I'll give her credit. She does like three hour concerts with dancing and jumping up and down and costume changes. And that's a lot of work. That really is a lot of work. It's not like the dead, you know, improvising for two out of the three hours they play, just kind of standing around noodling. She's very active. So this is tiring. It's a real job. Yeah. So, you know, kudos to her, even though the ticket prices are quite excessive. But Max Norman is a producer that uh, did an interview recently. He was talking about how records are not going to be as big as they used to be. And what he thinks is that live performance will be the thing. And they may record these concerts and they may make them available. But record making, he says, you can't make a world class record anymore because there are only a few people who are ever going to listen to it. There are thousands of records released every day, and he just doesn't see a way of getting through because there's no, as we've talked about constantly, there's no big faucet where we're all getting, you know, the same music. Everybody is, is uh, it's been splintered. And so every all music is, is niche. But the one thing that seems constant is people are able to fill auditoriums or arenas or whatever. and Or spheres. With, yeah, or spheres and make money that way. And that's kind of an interesting thing, I think, because it comes back to my thing. I just want to see bands or hear bands live. Their recorded stuff is interesting, but there's a, there's a reason why there are recording artists and performance artists. You can be a great recording artist. But your performance might be kind of blah. And that brings us back to Las Vegas, where many artists have gone to perform for weeks or months, where Frank Sinatra basically lived there for years. Right. Great idea. It's a great idea. It attracts people to go see that performer, lose money on the slots, spend money drinking and for hotels and prostitutes and all the rest that you do in Vegas. But Maybe the world needs another Las Vegas. I know Atlantic City tried to be an East Coast Las Vegas, and I don't think they ever succeeded. Well, a fellow by the name of Donald Trump made sure of that. I was there at the time, and it was Atlantic City was on the cusp of becoming a world-class place, and he lost the three casinos, and that was it. I mean, you could still go to Atlantic City now and walk the boardwalk and go to a couple of casinos, but it's not what it— what it wanted to be. It would be hard to build up another Las Vegas anywhere because Las Vegas built up over decades. It was a slow accretion from, you know, dusty desert town with a couple of hotels and more hotels and fancier hotels. And maybe that's what the music world needs is another Las Vegas on the East Coast. 
Atlantic City is not a bad location. It's close enough to New York that you can get a bus there, right? I remember there were buses that would go for free to take you to the casinos when it opened. So maybe that's what they need. Or someplace in Europe to have... See, where Europe's gambling laws are very different. Uh, there are places where gambling is legal. There are places where it's extremely tightly regulated. And the idea of a 24-hour city in Europe just seems like it just doesn't fit. Well, isn't Monte Carlo sort of like Do you know the, how big Monte Carlo is? Re- regular people don't go to Monte Carlo. Oh, no, I know. It's a little tiny place. But it's, it's not— It's tiny. Yeah. They, they have some casinos, but it's not, it's not for the hoi polloi, right? I mean, I've driven through Monte Carlo. It's a very small place. Maybe it's got a dozen, 20, 30 casinos. I don't know. But they're fancy hotels. They're, you know, they're for the James Bond type of person. And it's also not a place where you go to hear music, right? There's no Monte Carlo Music Fest or um, anything like that. There might be because there might be because there are a lot of things like that in the summer in southern France. So there might be, I don't know. I know Monaco does. Monaco has oh. music festival at least. Well, one. maybe Monaco is a place where there's but, something like this. Well, what about, we're they're, they're not going to listen to us. <laughs> no, Mon- Monaco is mostly high rises for people who go there to avoid taxes. So you've got athletes like tennis players, you got Formula One drivers, that sort of people, and you know money launderers, crypto people, all that sort. But yeah, I guess another Las Vegas that could attract because you're not going to do a long trip just for a concert. You're going to do a long trip for a concert and a few days of all the rest. A concert is just too limiting. You get there, see the concert, spend a night in a hotel, go home. That's not enough. Might do two. If if you're going to see Dead & Company, you might actually go see two or three shows. I'm sure that there are lots of deadheads who are buying tickets for every performance. Sure. And and I do wonder, will each performance be the same? That's not the way the dead does it. So they can't be doing something that syncs to the visuals the same way you two did, right? They've got to. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did not Dead and Company say this is our final tour and then they extended the final tour? I don't know if they extended it, but they did say it was the final tour. I know that for a fact. And then, but there was another final tour a few years ago of the previous iteration. Right. and, And that was the one that interestingly got. The, the last show in Chicago got broadcast to cinemas around the world. I even saw it here in a movie theater the next day. It wasn't live because of the, the, the time zone difference. It's funny. There were 20 people, all, you know, looked like old hippies. And it was, it, it was, a, boring perform, it was a boring performance to see because everyone in the audience was just like, okay, we're watching a dead on a movie screen. Yeah. No one was excited. No one was singing along or dancing or smoking or anything like that. I so. think this, the cinema idea is interesting for things like where you sit down and you watch like maybe opera or a well, classical theater. performance or theater. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. you know, when you want to go to a, a, a dead show or any kind of rock concert, you want to be able to let loose and can't do that. Well, in the Taylor Swift's movie of her concert. Tour I don't think that stopped anybody from letting loose when they go to the movie theater. These- I think it was different because it was sold out like almost everywhere. And so the people were singing along and dancing. But that's a different kind of audience. Yeah. Different kind of audience. That's right. All right. Should we do next tracks? Oh. Sure. I made a quiche yesterday. And as I am wont to do, I put on Apple Music to my Apple Music personal radio station. And a song came up by The Passions. And I was thinking, wow, 
40 odd years, I haven't heard that. Do you remember the Passions? They did two albums. I think they did three albums. The first one was Michael and Miranda. The second is 30,000 Feet Over China. And I don't remember what the third one was because I think it was like it was only one of the original members. 30,000 Feet Over China had the song. They were technically a one hit wonder with the song I'm in Love with a German Film Star. That was the song that made them. And after that, they didn't really have much to say. But it's actually quite an interesting album. It's 10 tracks, 37 minutes, which is kind of short. And their first record, Michael and Miranda, was on Fiction Records. That's the label that The Cure was on. And then they got good enough to be signed by Polydor. So major label had this huge hit, lots of money toured, and then they kind of fizzled out because they didn't have much to say. But it's a nice kind of... It was that early 80s pop. It wasn't synth pop, at least not like we were talking about in our last episode about OMD. It was poppy pop. It wasn't angst-ridden goth pop like The Cure. It wasn't smarmy pop. It was good pop. It was kind of like XTC. made me think of XTC, that kind of happy pop. So it's The Passion's 30,000 Feet Over China. Doug? You know, it wasn't so long ago that my social media timelines were filled with promos for and reviews of and articles anticipating and all kinds of information about the new Rolling Stones record called Hackney Diamonds. There was a lot of pre-promotion. There was a lot of nonsense going on while it was being released. The, the fellows were making all kinds of appearances and doing this and doing, you know, doing what you do when you release a new album. And then they disappeared. And Left Sets pointed this out not too long ago that they came and they saw and they left. And I still have yet to really appreciate the new Hackney Diamonds album, but I, I do remember the last album that they put out from 2005 called A Bigger Bang. And I remember thinking the same thing about that record. I didn't care much about it when it came out, even though there was a lot of hype about it, but I got it anyway, and I kind of listened to it, and babbity babbity ba. Well, let me tell you something. There's like four or five songs on that album, on A Bigger Bang from 2005, that I actually like a lot. It, they grew on me after a while. There's Rough Justice, there's Infamy, uh, Driving Too Fast, Look What the Cat Dragged In, and She Saw Me Coming. Those are the songs that I know off the top of my head from A Bigger Bang, which is saying something. I'm sure the other songs are okay. Oh, there was a so Sweet Neocon. I don't remember that song exactly, but I remember when it came out, that was a sort of a political song. And that's when neocons were a thing. I can barely remember that era. But anyway, I thought what I'd do is I'd listen to A Bigger Bang all the way through. And while I'm doing that, kind of hope that maybe Hackney Diamonds in 15 years or so will sound just as good. But anyway, that's what I'll be listening to. The Rolling Stones, A Bigger Bang is my next track. This was episode number 275 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. You can start to join a conversation in the comment section of this episode's show page at our website, where you'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. It's all at nexttrack.com. We hope you'll support The Next Track, too, by making a regular donation via Patreon. We are ad-free and self-sustaining, so we really depend on the listener support of our Patreon patrons. Keeps us going. Visit patreon.com slash the next track. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.